I'm really excited about what God is doing in our church family as I've been talking about forgiveness. Uh, our, our message series is called Off the Hook, How to Forgive Totally. And uh, I don't know about you, but even as I've been studying and going deeply into this message series, it has really helped me in uh, my relationships and how I relate to people. I'll tell you just a brief funny story. Um, yesterday, uh, my, my in-laws are here visiting, and, and Chris was off, of course, on Saturday, as she always is, and we just wanted to do something fun in the area, and we didn't want to drive too far. So I said, let's go to the Lewis and Clark Caverns. How many of you have been to the caverns? Okay. Uh, I've, I haven't been since I was a little kid. Chris has never been there. I thought my in-laws would love it. And, and, but Chris has struggled for a long time with claustrophobia, okay? And so whenever I've brought up going to the caverns, she's kind of said, no, not going to go there. And so on Friday when we were trying to decide what to do on Saturday, I suggested the caverns, and she's a great wife, and she said, yeah, let's go. So we drove to the caverns, and, and we paid our 10 bucks each to get in. And as we were looking at the map, my father-in-law said, I don't think I'm going to do that. So he got his $10 back, and he was going to wait. And then Judy and Chris and I took the long hike. It's about three-quarters of a mile, and it's all uphill. And we, we hiked in, got into the mouth of the cave, and we were getting all oriented and learning about bat guano and all that good stuff. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and I'm kind of like this grown-up junior ranger, you know. I like to be close to the ranger, and I like to ask questions, and I'm just geeking out, you know. So as we start down the, as we start down the stairway into the pitch blackness, I'm just right on the ranger. You know, I'm front in line, and uh, my mother-in-law is right behind me. Chris is right behind her, and we're, I'm, I'm just stepping down the stairs. I'm having a great time. Can't wait to see everything that's in there. And all of a sudden, I heard my wife say, Mama, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> and my mother said, I'll leave with you, Chrissy. And the two of them are out, just gone. <laughs> now, in that moment, now, in that moment, I am presented with a choice, right? I can get mad or I can let my wife and my mother-in-law off the hook, Right? And, and, and I'm not even kidding when I say that I stood there in the darkness and all these people are going by and I can hear the girls struggling to get back up the stairs. I, I'm sitting there in the darkness having this conversation with myself. How am I going to choose to respond to this situation? And the last people were coming down the stairs and this one lady said, tell the ranger the two ladies left. And I said, tell them the guy did too. And... <laughs> And, and so we hiked back down the mountain and went to a nice dinner. You know, I mean, it was, that's what we did. Go fishing, next time. <laughs> Go fishing next time. But this principle of learning how to let people off the hook is a spiritual discipline, a spiritual habit that every one of us need to learn to master. For big hurts and everyday situations like somebody can't go in a cave, we need to learn the habit of forgiveness. And so that's what we're talking about today. I'm going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer and forgiveness. And before we jump into this whole study, uh, I want you to see a, a, a brief video. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, I was watching uh, the CBS Sunday morning early show I recorded each week because I like the human interest stories. And this story was on that program this morning, and uh, I had to share it with you. It won't even be the whole story, but I want you to hear the very inspiring story 
of Louis Zamperini and how forgiveness impacted his life. Take a look at this. On this Memorial Day weekend, we're honoring a World War II veteran who is still very much with us, a veteran remarkable for what he endured, and remarkable as well for the forgiveness he extends toward his former tormentors. Chip Reed has his story. The house is full of antiques, including me. <laughs> so what else do you have here? This is a, a Japanese copy of the samurai sword that they decapitate you with. 95-year-old Louis Zamperini's home is too little to hold memories of a life so large. There are the trophies honoring his athletic accomplishments. Well, these are the, the five torches I carried. So you, these five torches you carried in five different Olympic ceremonies. Right. And then there are the souvenirs from the prison camps where he spent two years of his life. This is the... The fork I used, it's a bamboo fork. An old belt buckle he still wears. I'm surprised the Japanese didn't take it away from me because they were short of brass. But Louis Zamperini's story was pretty much ancient history. An elderly man waving in a parade. Until a best-selling book reminded the world of his harrowing tale. His first fame came when he was just a teenager. In 1936, he made the U.S. Olympic team. At 19, he was the youngest qualifier in the 5,000 meters. He didn't win, but Louis Zamperini became a household name, a sports hero. A few years later, the nation was at war. Zamperini was a bombardier in the Army Air Corps. On this very day, 69 years ago, his B-24 crashed into the Pacific. Our number one engine, the RPMs dropped. This plane was barely flying with four motors, and with two gone, it just dropped like a rock. And so we hit the uh, water nose down. I felt like someone hit me in the forehead with a sledgehammer. The plane was completely blown apart. What happened next was documented in this 1998 story from correspondent Bob Simon. Zamperini spotted a life raft floating rapidly away from the burning waters. He swam to it. 47 days in an inflatable raft. We never prayed before, but on a raft you pray like a foxhole. He fought off sharks. This shark was so big that he could have taken one bite and bit, he could have bitten that raft in two. And battled the sea. I was in a violent storm. I, I never seen anything like it. Things went from bad to worse. Zamperini was near death when he was captured by the Japanese and taken to a place known as Execution Island, where every known prisoner had been put to death. They took great joy in telling us we were going to be executed, you know, and they'd always go through the motion. It got even worse. His fame back home led to hours of torture and beatings at the hands of a sadistic guard nicknamed the Bird. I couldn't bear to look in his eyes. I just couldn't do it. They were, to me, they were that sadistic. When he wasn't being beaten, he was starved, like most of the Americans held by the Japanese. But somehow, he survived. Louis Zamperini returned home a hero. This is your life. Now, there were TV appearances. His life appeared to return to normal. 
But the war years, while gone, were anything but forgotten. Haunted by nightmares, he turned to alcohol. Then, in a last-ditch effort to save his marriage and perhaps his life, Zamperini joined his wife Cynthia at a prayer service led by a young Billy Graham. Graham's sermon touched on the power of forgiveness. It was the first night in two years and a half that I didn't have a nightmare, and I haven't had one since. So it, uh, the forgiveness it was a complete healing factor in my life. Which is why Zamperini decided to commit himself to a lifetime of forgiveness. And that meant he had to go back to Japan to see the prison guards who'd tried so hard to destroy him. The most important thing in my Christian life was to know that I not only forgave him verbally, but to see him face to face and tell him that I forgave him. That was 61 years ago, and our story would end there, were it not for the book, Unbroken. Now the story goes on, and uh, if you want to see the rest of the video, you can find it on YouTube, and we'll be linking to that on our Facebook page. Uh, but what I found interesting in Louis Zamperini's story was that his life had become out of control. His relationships were out of control, and Louis discovered that forgiveness was the key to restoring the relationships and, and the other life elements that were just spiraling out of control. Now, in your life and mine, unforgiveness manifests itself in a number of ways. And we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. But uh, you understand that unforgiveness and bitterness is happening in you when resentment is the focus of many of your thoughts. You are replaying again and again and again, like, like a videotape or a DVD of the events that hurt you over and over and over in your mind. Resentment and bitterness. Uh, unforgiveness manifests when you're wanting to get revenge. When you are interested in hurting another person's reputation by telling the story to uninterested parties or, or to people that might think less of the person who hurt you. And probably the most significant manifestation of unforgiveness is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. When we say to ourselves, I would never sin like that person sinned. I would never be that kind of person. It's self-righteousness. And it's this kind of attitude, this kind of unforgiveness that Jesus very unequivocally addresses in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount that we know as the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, or this will all be up on the screen. If you just want to follow along on the screen, that's fine as well. Uh, I'm reading from a, a translation that is probably a little unfamiliar to us because we recite this prayer often as Christians, uh, but this is a very literal translation, uh, the English Standard Version, and it goes like this. Jesus was teaching the disciples about lots of things on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Beatitudes, and he taught on sexual relationships, marriage, tithing, giving, all of these kinds of things. And when he taught on prayer, he told the disciples, when you pray, pray like this. And then he said what we have come to know as the Lord's Prayer. It reads like this in this translation. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is very interesting. Give us this day our daily bread, and then look at the wording of this next line very carefully. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's a very accurate rendering of the Greek phrase that Jesus would have said to his disciples. As we also have forgiven our debtors. What Jesus is saying is, I don't expect to be forgiven unless I am in the process of forgiving everyone who has hurt me. Very significant. And then he said, verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then almost like a PS at the end of a letter, Jesus said this, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Good news. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, does that scare anybody else in the room besides me? That just makes me shiver. But I think it's so important because these are the words of Jesus. In fact, I think it's important enough that we could all just read this out loud. Would you read this with me? For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Very sobering. And because Jesus said this is the way we ought to pray, and then he followed it up, underscoring this issue that we will not be forgiven unless we forgive. It's so important that we hear what Jesus is saying. Now, there's a couple of observations that I want to make before we move on in the teaching this morning. And here's the first one. This prayer shows us how we need daily forgiveness as much as we need daily bread. Have you ever thought about that in the context of the Lord's Prayer? Jesus tells us to pray for our everyday bread. And then he says, we need to also pray about forgiveness. Every day. We need daily forgiveness as much as we need daily bread. And the other observation I want to make is just very simple. This prayer is designed to keep us from developing a self-righteous attitude. I think Jesus understands that as followers of Jesus, people who have been forgiven, people who are working hard at being Christ-like disciples, it's easy for us to follow into the trap of becoming self-righteous. But when we say to the Father, forgive us our debts as we also are forgiving those who are our debtors, it prevents us from becoming self-righteous. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, you can jot down a, uh, a definition of the word forgive. And the guys have some notes if you forgot to pick one up. I, I just want to, for, I want to define what the word forgive means. And I haven't done this in the last couple of weeks, so I thought today maybe I should define exactly what this is. The New Testament is written in the Greek language. And sometimes our English words don't translate exactly like the Greek ones do. And so when Jesus used the word forgive, he was using a Greek word that meant to let be, to let be, or to be sent away. 
to let be or to send away. And so when I am considering forgiving somebody when I've been offended or hurt or when my wife won't go down into the depths of the earth with me, okay, uh, I'm confronted with a choice. Am I going to hang on to that offense? Am I going to be mad and angry and bitter and punish her for not doing what I want her to do? Or am I going to just let it be? Forgiveness is just letting it be. Better yet, forgiveness is sending it away. This weekend, my my, uh, in-laws have been sharing some of the teaching that their pastor taught on recently on the life of Jonah. And you may remember the story of Jonah when he was tossed out of the boat because uh, the people in the boat realized that the storm was an act of God focused on Jonah. So they they just threw him out of the boat. And Judy and Tito's pastor said, sometimes you've got to get rid of the junk in your boat, right? And so all weekend long, they've been saying, Russ, that's not in my boat. That's not in my boat. That's forgiveness. It could be described that way very well, right? It's to send it away. There's an offense. Somebody has hurt me. Somebody has done something that has injured me. I send it away instead of hanging on to it, replaying it in my mind, brainstorming about how I'm going to get even. Just toss it out of the boat. That's forgiveness. The simple definition we've been using in this message series is that forgiveness means to let someone off the hook. Just let them off the hook. That's what forgiveness is. Now, it's interesting that the whole world seems to be awakening to the power of forgiveness. That, that video clip that I showed you was on uh, a national network TV program, CBS. Uh, years ago, Mahatma Gandhi said this, The weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. I love that. John F. Kennedy talked about forgiveness, except I don't think he caught it just right. He said, forgive your enemies, but never forget their names. (laughs) Not exactly what forgiveness is. But Jesus said, if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. Now, this might bother some of you. If you've been a Christian for any period of time and you've learned about how a person is saved, this might bother you a little bit. Anybody bothered a little bit by if if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven? Uh, There's a little bit of a tension in Scripture, and I want to talk about this for just a minute. You're probably familiar, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, you're familiar with uh, a couple of verses from Ephesians chapter 2 that say this, For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works so that no one could boast. Do you know what that means? It means you can't do anything to earn your salvation. You can't forgive enough people to earn God's grace. Okay, right? You're not saved by doing anything. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 says. But Jesus says if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. That's kind of echoed in 1 John chapter 1 where we read this. If we say that we have fellowship with him, God, if we say we have fellowship with God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so there's a little bit of a tension here. Are we we saved by grace or do works matter? And so I want to just kind of try to resolve this tension by giving you a few phrases that I believe are true and that it's vital for us to understand in the context of forgiveness, all right? And here they are. You can jot these down in your notes. If I don't forgive, 
Although I'm saved because salvation is by grace, I don't earn it. God has just generously given me salvation. Although I'm saved, if I don't forgive, I won't have fellowship with the Father. That's what 1 John 1, 6 says. It's not saying you're not saved. It's just saying you're not going to be in this tight relationship with Papa God. All right? You're going to find that God is distant. It doesn't feel like he hears your prayers. You you don't have any connection with him. He's just out there somewhere. All right? Secondly, if I don't forgive, although I am adopted into the family of God, because that's, that's by grace. That's a gift. That's not something we earn. I'm adopted into the family of God. But if I don't forgive, I'm not going to have intimacy with Christ. You see how this goes? Thirdly, although I'm justified, the Bible says that when we're washed by the blood of Jesus, we are justified. That word justified means it's just as if I'd never sinned, okay? Your sins are completely wiped out. But if I don't forgive, I'm not going to be anointed by the Spirit, which is so vital in our lives because it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God that leads us and directs us, gives us wisdom, helps us to know how to pray, helps us to know how to come into the presence of God. If I don't forgive, the anointing doesn't exist in my life. And then fourthly, and this one to me is frightening as well, if I don't forgive, although I'm promised to go to heaven because salvation is just a gift of God, he'll take me to heaven when I die or when Jesus comes. I'd prefer the latter. Uh, Although I will go to heaven, I may lose my eternal reward. Listen to what 2 John 1.8 says. It says, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. This verse implies that we might get to heaven And although God has provided this, planned this wonderful reward for each one of us, you might get to heaven, I could get to heaven, and I may not receive everything God had planned for me to receive. I'm going to be in heaven, that's awesome, right? But God has a full reward that he wants you and I to receive. But if we don't forgive, if we don't watch ourselves and walk in fellowship with the Father, in intimacy with Christ, under the anointing of the Spirit, we may find ourselves in heaven and not receive a full reward. The stakes, friends, of not forgiving are literally eternal. But here's the problem. Everybody wants to get to heaven. Wouldn't you say that's true? Everybody wants to get to heaven, but not everyone wants to have fellowship with the Father. Everybody wants to get to heaven, but not everybody wants to have fellowship with the Father. Because when we're tight with God, he makes demands on our lives. And sometimes it's easier to say, ah, God, that one's too hard for me to forgive. I can't let them off the hook. And so we choose to let bitterness and unforgiveness destroy our hearts. I've told you before about a trip Chris and I had the privilege of making uh, to Singapore years ago. And uh, when a friend of mine found out that we were going to Singapore, uh, he, he said to me, Russ, would you bring back a souvenir for me? And I said, you bet. His name was Keith. And, and I said, what do you want, Keith? And, and he said, well, over in Singapore, you can get fake Rolex watches. And I've always wanted a Rolex. I can't afford a real one. Bring me a fake one. 
And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And so we were walking in the streets of Singapore one day. And, you know, if you've ever been to one of those giant cities, there's vendors everywhere, you know. And, and this little Chinese guy came running up to me with shifty eyes. And he says, you want copy watch? And I said, yes, I do want a copy watch. I'm, I'm looking for a copy watch. And, and so he says, come with me, follow me. And so we went down this dark alley and we found ourselves in kind of this seedy little back room, you know, and it's just full of, of copy watches, you know, and, and I found this, this, this Rolex watch. It was beautiful, all gold, and it, it looked like the real thing, you know, and I picked it up, and I said, how much is this one? He says, $50. I said, 25 He said, 40 And I said, no, 25 is all I'm going to spend, 30 I said, 25 Okay, I give you, uh, oh, just for you, 25 <laughs> So I bought this Rolex watch, and, and uh, you know, when you go through customs, I'm, I'm not proud to tell you this part of the story, but when you go through customs, you know, you have to declare jewelry. Well, here I'm carrying a Rolex watch, right? And I, I don't want to pay, like, cust- what's it, duty, duty on like a $30,000 watch that I paid twenty five for. So I buried it in the bottom of my luggage, and I said, Chris, if they ask, do not tell them that I've got this copy watch in my luggage, you know. And, uh, and we got through customs, and, and, and they never found the watch. And, and uh, I got home, and I gave the watch to Keith, and I was so proud, and I thought he'd be so excited. And he put it on his wrist, and, and, and he's wearing it. And uh, an hour or two later, he comes to me and says, Russ, this watch isn't keeping time. You know, it's... <laughs> And so I said, I'll take, it to, I'll take it to my jeweler. I've got a watch that needs a battery, and they put free batteries in. So I'll take it to my jeweler and see if he can get it running. And, and so I took it in, and Paul takes the back off, and he says, uh, Russ, there's a problem. I said, Paul, what's the problem? He said, there's nothing in this watch. <laughs> so Keith gave me the fake Rolex back, and I'm the proud owner of an empty Rolex watch. But isn't that, isn't that a perfect picture of our lives sometimes because we want to go to heaven, but we really don't want fellowship with God? Everybody wants to go to heaven, but not many people really want fellowship with God. And so we're just an empty shell. And we can even look pretty good in time. But I noticed this morning when I dug this old Rolex out that even the gold is wearing off. After 16 years, I haven't even worn it, but the gold is flaking off. Pretty good picture of what it's like to live with bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. We just get empty inside. Let me share a couple more truths with you about what happens when we don't forgive. Four things. First of all, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is grieved when we don't forgive. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about that. That was your memory verse for a couple of weeks ago. Secondly, if I don't forgive, the Bible says I'm left to myself. In other words, I lose the help of the Holy Spirit. God just leaves us to our own devices when we don't forgive. Thirdly, the Bible says we are outwitted by Satan. What happens when we don't forgive is it's, it's like there's a door open in our heart and Satan just kind of gets a toe in there and we can't get the door closed on him totally. And then he wedges his foot in and pretty soon Satan has gained entrance into our lives and he starts wreaking all kinds of havoc. And the beginning point, the toe in the door is unforgiveness. And 
we become outwitted by the enemy of our souls. And then fourthly, the Bible says that if we don't forgive, if we don't live in obedience to what God calls us to, we make God our enemy. I can't think of anybody in the universe that I don't want to be my enemy other than God or more than God. There's some references there that I'm not going to read. I want to encourage you to study those this week. If you need to go deeper in your experience and your practice of forgiveness, let these verses sink deeply into your spirit. Let me ask you today, what kinds of hurt do you need to forgive? For me, I find that I I have to practice forgiveness in a bunch of different scenarios. I have to forgive people when, when they hurt me unintentionally. Every once in a while, somebody just says or does something, and I know they have pure motives. They're not mean people. They don't hate me, but something they do hurts me, and I just have to forgive. I have to learn how to do that. Sometimes I have to forgive people who have hurt me by being insensitive. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes people say really dumb things, right? And we can pick up an offense and we can hate them and we can be bitter and we can try to stab them back. They're not mean. They're not malicious. They're not bad people. They were just insensitive. I have to learn how to forgive them. I have to learn how to let them off the hook. Sometimes I have to forgive people who have hurt me on purpose. That's a little harder. And I don't know what scenario you find yourself in today with people that you're struggling to forgive, but they might be people who are indeed mean, ugly people. And they've done something to you on purpose that's evil and nasty and it's hurt. Do I have to forgive those people? Jesus says, let them off the hook. In fact, what Jesus says is that We have to forgive any sin that has been committed against us. Whatever it is, whatever it is, friends, let them off the hook. Let them off the hook. I want to give you some next steps, but before I do, can I just pray for you this morning? Would you put your things aside for just a moment? And I want to pray And what I'd like to ask you to do, would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes as I pray for you? But I want you to participate in this prayer. And so I want you to do it this way. And, and it might feel, make you feel funny to do this. Um, but, but if you don't mind just, just pushing through the funny feelings, would you just, would you just do this? Um, I'd like you to start, as I pray, with your hands in an open position, okay? And then... As I pray, and I'm going to describe what my hands look like, would you just do with your hands what I'm describing as I pray? And in this way, you're, just, you're, you're participating in my prayer, and, and, and I'll just have you do this as I pray for you. And, and in your heart, just echo what I'm praying for all of us, okay? So, Jesus, we are praying together today with our hands open. But the reality is, for many of us, Lord, we have been hanging on to offenses with a closed fist. And I'm closing my fist, Lord, to represent how often 
I just hang on to those things that have hurt me. And Jesus, this morning, I realize how deeply and how significantly you have forgiven me. Your generosity is amazing. And today I realize, Lord, I have to let go of these offenses that I've been hanging on to. And so, Lord, as I forgive the people who have hurt me, and you may even want to just whisper a name or think of a name of someone who has hurt you, Lord, as I think about those offenses that I've been hanging on to, I'm just opening my hands again and letting it go. Lord, I'm just letting it go. And Lord, I'm asking you to help me to forgive in such a complete way, Lord, that I can let it be and I can just lay it down. I'm just laying it down right now, Lord, so that it's not even in my hands anymore. I've just, I've just put it away from me. And in some cases, Lord, we need to take that offense and that hurt and just throw it out of the boat. And I'm throwing, Lord, that that offense, that hurt, I'm throwing it out of my boat and it's not going to bog me down any longer. I'm forgiving Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you help me to forgive totally. Lord, so that I'm no longer replaying those tapes in my head and I'm not brainstorming about how I can hurt and return and, and how I can retaliate and and Lord, I even want to pray right now that you will bless these people that I'm forgiving because Lord, I know that instead of retaliating against me, you have blessed me deeply. So bless them, Lord. And as we continue to practice forgiveness, Lord, bring us close into fellowship with the Father Help us experience intimacy with Christ. Anoint us with the Spirit and help us to anticipate that day in heaven when we will receive our full reward, Lord Jesus. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can everybody say amen? So be it. So be it. Have a seat. Let me wrap up the notes on your note cards, and then I'll let you go here in just a short moment. Let me give you a few next steps. If you need to go deeper with forgiveness, and I don't know which of us don't, uh, here's some things that I think can help you learn to develop these skills of forgiveness. Number one, I want to invite you to read chapter three in the book, Total Forgiveness. We've had these available the last couple of weeks Shoni, do we have any more back there? We are totally out of the books, total forgiveness. Um, and so if you want one, I will order one for you. You can sign up back at the, at the welcome desk, and we'll get one for you in just two days. I can have it delivered to you two days. Uh, but if you've already got a book and you're reading along, chapter 3 is for this week. I want to encourage you to memorize 1 John 1.6. 1 John 1.6, that's... Uh, printed out on the front of your cards. Great verse to help us remember the importance of walking in fellowship with the Lord. Uh, I want to encourage you, number three, to study the verses that I didn't read on your new note cards under when I don't forgive. Let those verses go deep into your spirit and begin to transform the way you think. And then fourthly, 
I want to encourage you to watch the full Louis Zamperini video. There's lots more uh, information on that story on CBS. We'll link to it on our Facebook, or you can just search for it on YouTube. Or better yet, uh, the book based on his life is called Unbroken. My wife, Chris, has read the book. It's fantastic. I haven't gotten the chance to read it yet. But if you just want to read an inspiring story that will encourage you to forgive, uh, you could pick that book up. And then number five, of course, encourage you to come back next week. And uh, next week, I'm especially excited about the teaching. Uh, the title next week is Playing God. And I'm going to be talking about the verse, judge not, lest you be judged. And we're going to take a little bit of a different tack on this. Do you know that according to the Bible, there are times when you should judge? But there's probably a lot more times when you have no business judging. I'm going to be talking about how to know when you should be exercising godly judgment and when you absolutely should not judge. This is one of the things you hear all the time. People saying, stop judging me. You're just judging me. Stop being a hater. All this stuff. So sick of that line on Facebook. I feel like turning my computer off sometimes. One more person says, don't judge me. But everybody says, don't judge. But we don't really understand what it means. So I hope you'll be here next week. Very, very helpful teaching. All right? Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I, if you've been helped by forgiveness, tell me your story. I, I want to know how uh, this teaching is impacting you and, and helping your life and your relationships. And, of course, all glory goes to God. Yes? Amen. We're going to finish with uh, worshiping in our tithes and offerings. And so if you want to grab your offering envelopes, that would be great. Scotty and the band are going to lead us in a great song of prayer and worship. And uh, once you're done uh, with, with giving... Uh, you can find somebody to pray with. Our prayer team will be up here in the front if you would like somebody to pray with. You're welcome to stay and worship and pray as long as you'd like. Also, grab your connection cards. Drop those in the baskets as they come by if you would. Hope you have a great week, everybody. Walk in forgiveness. Love people. And uh, enjoy the favor of God as you do.